Hey everyone, welcome back to the Careers in Army Medicine podcast. I got today. I got uh, Lieutenant Lim with us, and he is going to our program called USAGPAN. And if you don't know what that is, it's pretty much making him a nurse anesthetist. It is yes. All right. How's it going? Um, Sergeant Sharps, uh, we kind of had a little bit of, co of a conversation before this going about uh, the different programs, but one of the biggest things that I want to ask you about is where are you from and how did you, how did you even hear about Army Medicine? Yeah, so um, I'm from Killeen, Texas, which some of y'all might know, it's next to Fort Hood, Central Texas, basically. So I was born and raised there. Um, I went to nursing school at Sam Houston State University near Houston. Um, and then that's where I did my uh, critical care nursing um, you know, experience. I was there for about five, four or five years. And so um, I kind of just Googled a bunch of CRNA schools. Um, so I was one that applied to like seven or eight programs, and USAGPAN happened to be one of them. Um, main reason I applied for USAGPAN was because uh, a few reasons. One, my dad was in the Army, um, so I felt like it was kind of a rite of passage thing, you know, just to get that Army experience. But um, probably the biggest reason uh, I ultimately went with USAGPAN was because uh, it, they pay you to go to school, you know. Um, so you can just focus on the, the school aspect without having to take out loans or anything like that. So, so yeah. when you said you, so you did your crit care and everything, um, how much experience did you have prior to applying to SAGPAN? So just kind of give us a timeline. You, uh, went to nursing school, graduated, and then what? Yeah. So, um, I graduated nursing school in 2016, got my BSN, bachelor's in nursing. Um, and then right off the bat, uh, I got a job in a medical ICU um, in Houston. So I did that. I was at kind of like a, a smaller community size uh, hospital. And for CRNA school, they, they really want you to get like high acuity, big city hospital. So I worked at this small facility for about one and a half years, and then I applied to uh, one of the bigger uh, high acuity places. So I got a job there, and then I worked there for about another two years. So I had about almost four years of experience in um, solely medical ICU before I applied to SAGPAN and got in. Awesome. And I know uh, we took a look at one of your other videos. Um, I'm going to go ahead and link it up to the top kind of yes. talking about your experience, uh, just applying for USAGPAN. So uh, one of the biggest things that a lot of people don't apply to USAGPAN is mainly because of uh, whether they think that they, they don't have high enough scores or they don't have uh, certain things. So one of, the, one of the things that you actually brought up is that you had a, what, a 3.0, 3.1 GPA? and yeah, GPA. And you still got in. Yeah. Yeah. So I can talk a little bit about that. Um, so CRNA school is really competitive. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just say that. Everyone should know that. Um, 
for you, Zagpan, I'll say that if you meet the minimum requirements and you show the like you show the admissions panel, the committee that you know you 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 can succeed in grad school, you will get an interview. Um, now, after that point, the interview it's solely up to you. How will you speak? How um, how much critical care knowledge you have? Uh, that's that's the key factor i think to getting into usag pan but i'll say that if you have any interest at all in usag pan you should just apply like if you meet the minimum requirements um yeah so when it comes to when you mentioned uh the the panel uh explain this panel a little bit more like give us a little bit of insight into it um yeah so I forgot when they meet, but it's uh, it's a it's basically a group of Army CRNAs. They get together. Um, they look over your entire packet, you know, like your CV, um, your uh, your recommendation letters, your essay, um, and they just go over, you know, how well they think you'll do, and based off that, they'll either accept you or, you know, deny you. Um, they do take into consideration highly your letter that you get from your um, interview. So that is a big factor. Um, but yeah, they're all Army CRNAs. Uh, they do, you know, they are working uh, active duty. I don't know if there are any reserves or whatever, but yeah, they, they just get together once a year. They look over all the applicants that um, got to go from their interviews and then they'll either accept or deny that uh, fiscal year's applicants. Right. And I know we, so the, the date might change a little bit here and there, but as far as uh, when you started processing, uh, it, it's not a short process. And I, I try and be very upfront with that, with anybody I talk to that this, the, the first kind of hurdle to get over is just getting getting your packet in and applying because that's it's the drive to complete that that shows the board that this is something that you really want to do kind of give us a little insight about what uh what the process was like for you yeah absolutely so i think i first contacted my medical recruiter um may of last year um maybe even earlier, it might've been like March or April, but that's just when I gave them the initial you know, phone calls, like, hey, my name is Jay, I'm interested in Zagpan, I'm a critical care nurse, whatever. Um, so after that first phone call, uh, I made a meeting, came into the office, and immediately uh, my recruiter you know, made sure like all the boxes were checked that I met, met the minimum requirements. And, uh, we kind of got the ball rolling like right uh, right on the first initial meeting i got this huge packet so this packet it, it took a it took quite a while yeah <laughs> i think it took me over a month to finish and uh it's just this large pdf file maybe 70 pages um so that that's one big part of the the application process and if if you're applying, you'll also find that you're gonna get um, pushbacks coming to you 
uh, every so often with that same packet, like you'll miss something or whatnot. So it does take a long time. Um, you do have to go to MEPS, you know, that's, that's a military process everyone should know about. So that's another thing. Uh, I think I got word back that I would go for an interview around July, July-ish. So from the completion of my um, packet to interview was about two months. Um, and then I think it took maybe another two or three months to get word back that I was actually accepted into the program. So overall, like about five, six months, and then actually getting my orders was another two months. So all in all, it was like over half a year before I actually, you know, started um, doing my training and all of that stuff. So it's a long process, but if you show that you're dedicated, they'll totally see it. You, may, you meet the minimum requirements and you get through everything. Um, they'll know that you, you really want this. Yeah. And so you mentioned training. Um, I know we spoke a little bit uh, briefly about the, the training requirements when you come in. So you go to, to DCC, which is the direct commissioning course, and you go to Bullock, which you just finished. Yeah. So when, first off, when did you get commissioned? So <clears throat> I think, man, I don't remember the exact date. I got officially commissioned uh, through my recruiter's office in maybe early December. Um, that was like my IR, IRR, uh, like the reserve component commission. Mm -hmm. And then the first day I got to DCC in Fort Sill, um, January 5th, that's when I switched over to like active component and signed like a new DA31, which if you don't know what a DA31 is, it's um, your oath of office. So officially, yeah, January, January 5th, the first day I got to um, DCC. Okay. So DCC, uh, you said it's at Fort Sill, which is Oklahoma. Um, just briefly go through what, what DCC was like for you. Yeah, so DCC is a pretty culture shock. It, it's, it's pretty crazy if you don't have any prior service or military knowledge. Um, it's, it's basically one month of just like a fast-track introduction to the Army, the Army lifestyle. Um, you'll stay on post in, in the barracks. You'll have, uh, you'll have bunk mates, two or three. And every day you're in uniform. Um, you know, you're, you're going to class, you're learning about military lifestyle, the army lifestyle, um, you're marching everywhere in cadence. So it, it is, it is pretty interesting. They just kind of, uh, I think the best analogy to compare it to is throwing a baby into the deep end of the pool <laughs> and, <laughs> and forcing you to learn how, force, forcing that baby to learn how to swim. It's very comparable. Um, but nothing that I would say, nothing that you do will fail you out of the course, unless if it's like um, immoral or unethical or just something totally against, you know, army doctrine. As long as you give in some effort, you'll do fine. And so we always say it's, it's kind of like basic training light. It's not yeah. like going through basic training like, like I went through it's mm. it's what we call it more of a gentleman's course so were there drill sergeants sitting there yelling at you every step of the way and stuff like that 
No, not at all. So it, yeah, you're right about that. It is, um, it is more catered towards like medical officers. Um, I don't want to say it's like any less difficult than basic training. You know, it is, it is challenging to learn so much more information in such a short period of time. Um, but probably the, the biggest difference, uh, yeah, there's no drill sergeant sailing at you. Um, we call some of the, we call the instructors cadre basically. Um, and some of the cadre, you know, they're, it, it really depends on the personality and teaching style. Some of them are a little more strict than others. Um, they do, uh, more strict ones do expect a little more out of you, but it's definitely not like, you know, drill sergeants yelling at you or anything like that. Um, as long as you give in the effort, you know, it'll go by smoothly. And then, so once you finish up DCC, uh, how long did you wait to go to Bullock? So DCC was about a month long. Um, and then at the end of DCC, I think we had about three weeks off. There was a three week holdover period. Um, but USAGPAN was able to come to San Antonio, Fort San Houston early so we can do our um, in processing and moving since this is our home station. Um, so yeah, about three weeks, uh, we were just able to settle and then Bullock started uh, February, early February okay. or mid-February, sorry, yeah. And so uh, I've been down to Fort Sam multiple times and uh, like you said, so you said Pan got to go down early and that's for getting, getting people in process, getting you a place to, to actually live. Because I remember when I was uh, going through one of my, my schools down there, we were in the same hotel that the Bullock officers were at. So okay, the holiday. The yeah. holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to see him and actually there was, there was a lot of uh, integration with us because as non-commissioned officers, we've been around the army for a while and you take brand new lieutenants and captains and sometimes even majors. And they're like, here's your rucksack, go put it together. And that we'll go walking into like the lobby area and they're, they're all down there sitting there trying to put it together and wrong most of the time. Um, right. <laughs> but it's at least you had some of the NCOs to kind of, to guide them and help them out too. But yeah, at least sure. you got a you got your place to live and, and you're all settled in. So how long are you going to be at Fort Sam? Yeah. So, uh, like you mentioned, yeah, we are stationed here at Fort Sam. Um, so it really depends. Uh, for sure, everyone in USAGPAN is here for the first year because uh, um, USAGPAN is front-loaded, which means all of our didactics or lectures are the first year of um, school. And then after that, so that's the classes are in Fort Sam. There's like a, a nursing building um, on, on post, and that's where we go to class every day. So that's guaranteed your first year here. You're gonna live here in San Antonio. Um, now the, and that's called phase one. So phase two happens after you finish your first year of didactics and you have about, I think six or seven um, clinical sites where you can do your rotations at. So you can stay here at Fort Sam. Uh, it is one of the options uh, and it's at Brook Army Medical Center. Uh, but you also have other opportunities to go um, to any of the other six locations. Uh, so, I mean, 
a couple examples, you can go to Hawaii, Tripler, you can do your rotations there, or, or um, Madigan in Washington is another option. Uh, so it really just depends like uh, where you wanna go to your clinical rotations. And I think you do get some say in it um, as far as like the uh, faculty and director, um, you know, telling you where to do your rotations. Yeah. Okay. So I know you just said you just finished up, uh, finished up Bullock. You're, you're finally getting settled in. So you're starting classes here soon. Um, That's correct. Is there anything that, that you wish somebody had told you before, not necessarily, well, even through the process. So starting from talking to the, the first recruiter, um, even though it did sound like you already knew what you wanted, you, you pretty much came in you're like, I want to apply for USAC PAN. So that, right. that really wasn't uh, an issue, but was there anything that you wish somebody told you through the process? So that way it can either be adjusted through on my end uh, for when I talk to people who are interested, or I can even point them to this video and say, Hey, this is something you need to ask about. Um, that's a, that's a good question. A tough question too. Um, I will say, I wish before I started, you know, my, my army um, training and all that, I wish someone had told me that I don't need to know the why for everything. And I think I mentioned this in one of my previous YouTube videos too, but during DCC and Bullock, um, you'll do a lot of stuff that you, it just feels like you're being told to do it just for the sole reason. Um, and I know, I was probably not the only one because, um, you know, like our group, we're, we're medical officers. We're, we're not the brightest, but we're pretty smart people. So we like to know why we're doing things, you know, the process. Uh, so I wish someone had told me just, just like an attitude check, uh, you know, just be positive all the time and not necessarily needing to know the why on why you're being told to ruck five miles or whatever you know it's all part of the process it's they're doing it to build you to be a better officer ultimately so yeah i had to learn that the hard way you know over time so uh, every uh, everyone coming into the army it it is a learning process so uh yeah. that's definitely good piece of advice for a lot of people coming in um Going through the the training, were you with any? So I know you said you were with uh, mainly SAGPAN. Uh, was there anybody from the reserve side that was at the same training that you were at? Did you get integrated later on, or how'd that work? Yeah. So <clears throat> um, initial entry training, uh, DCC and Bullock, it's pretty integrated all throughout, like the four or five months that you train. Um, you do stay with. Um, all your direct commission USAC camp folks. So the entire time I was with uh, like my 11 other direct commission classmates, we're all doing the same stuff together. And at the same time we had um, at DCC, I think we had about a hundred other people with us. Um, there were a lot of people that were reserves. Like we had some dentists, we had some veterinarians that came from their reserves home, uh, reserve, um, uh, you know, stations. And they had already been, surprisingly, they had already been working for like the last year and they just couldn't get a, a slot into one of the DCC, DCC courses, excuse me, up until now. So yeah, you will, you will work with a lot of your reserve and National Guard component. 
um, counterparts. So it's it's pretty cool to train with them at the same time. Awesome, cool. Well, so I just want to kind of give everyone just a little insight into uh, kind of what USAGPAN is. Uh, it's pretty much we pay for you to go to CRNA school. And also a little bit what the, what the training's like, what the process is like. I really want to thank you, uh, Lieutenant Lim, for for just taking the time out to to talk with us and uh, for future USAGPAN uh, applicants. That way, at least they have they kind of it's it's straight from somebody who's not part of the recruiting side. It's from somebody who's actually going through the course right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. I would just recommend anyone that has like any, um, you know endeavors in serving their country check out this program if you're an icu nurse and you wanted to you know go to crna school give give this program a chance um check it out if you meet the minimum requirements it's awesome you get paid as an officer you're commissioned as an officer um and you have no worries about finances while you're in school which is i know will you know take a lot of burden off a lot of people so it's a great program i'd recommend it I'm not just saying that because I'm in it, <laughs> but yeah, definitely check it out. All right. Perfect. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, if you do want to see uh, Lieutenant Lim's videos, I'm going to go ahead and link to him right now. That way you can, you can head on over there. Uh, he's going to go ahead. He's pretty much going to be posting his entire time through this process. So if you have any questions, cool. yep. head on over to his channel, like subscribe and uh, shoot him a message. If you do have any questions on this. So thank you very much for coming out. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.